are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Tonight, you will need a piece, a pen or pencil or something. They got it. You have it there. And you're going to need a Bible. And you want to maybe get a hold of some paper there or something. And uh, we're going to begin the book of Leviticus. January, uh, the first Sunday, uh, Wednesday, we looked at Genesis. Life in the beginning and the very last verse, death, a coffin. We looked about to paradise, chapter 1 and 2, and uh, uh, Egypt, the last verse. And we looked at everything in between there that happens. Life's full of, you got life, and you have death, and then all those experiences. Those experiences, there was murder, there was death, there was sorrow, there was rebellion, there was hatred, uh, there was harmony, there was happiness, uh, there was a death of a father, and a young son left on uncle, just so many stories. And then last week, we looked at Exodus. To me, Exodus means to Exodus. We saw to exit. We saw the various off, the various words like statutes, the statutes of the Lord, the, the uh, testimonies of the Lord, and the uh, commands of the Lord, and the judgments of the Lord. What do all those words mean? And uh, last week was uh, just a brief overview of of the book of Exodus, so as we read that, and I'm a little bit different reading program right now. I don't know, are, are we still in Genesis right now? Is that where we are? I should have looked. Is that where we are if you're reading through the Bible, Genesis? So I'm getting ahead of you, but um, you'll catch up because I want to just take every book every week. There's 66 books, there's 52 Wednesday nights, and so I won't get them all in, but I'm trying to get as many as I can this year. We'll, we may... I might lose your attention on this weeks or months from now, so we might go to something else. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to help these people that I love so very much, the people of God here at the great North Valley Baptist Church, and they've made such an effort to come to your house tonight. And so I pray that it would not be in vain. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to write things down. I'm going to really try to get to couple chapters eventually, but I'd like you to write some things down, and it, like a, okay, next week he's going to give us a quiz on this. I won't probably, but to me, when I was a boy and, and teenager in college and a young preacher, I always would shy away from Leviticus. Uh, in a notebooks, I have every message I've ever preached here back from February of 1976, and so that next month is going to be 43 years ago. I would imagine if you go through, and they have them computerized, I believe also, you'd probably look that I didn't do much preaching out of the book of Leviticus. It scared me. I didn't understand Leviticus. And quite frankly, and I hope it doesn't sound sacrilegious or irreverent, it was boring reading to me. I didn't understand it. And one day, and I'd been here for several years, I said, my Lord, it has always conquered me. And I want that book to conquer my heart. 
I, I can tell you, I love Leviticus. Uh, there's so much rich material here. You know, and I want you to jot this down in your notes, Leviticus is mentioned in the Gospels over 40 times. That's a lot, of, that's many times that in this New Testament, God would say 40 times, he'd refer back to this book right here. The purpose, if you want to write it down, of Leviticus, and for not in this Bible yet, but I, I normally put these things at the top of the book, uh, what we're studying. The purpose is to show a nation how they can be holy before God and what God demands. Well, Hosea is not appropriate for 2019. That God wants this nation to be holy. This, this thing of America, I know we hear how bad it is. It could turn around in a heartbeat with God's people. With God's people. And if we would take the book of Leviticus and say, I'm going to apply this book that I understand. What I don't understand, I'll get in time, but I'm going to apply it to my life. You see, Leviticus, it reveals our heart. It's really, in a sense, twofold our relationship to God and our relationship to man. So when you read Leviticus, there's a a civil relationship with man and a personal relationship with God. If you and I have conflict this way, it is always a revealer that I have a conflict this way. I'm amazed what people will say to me through the years I'm here, say, I'm, I'm quitting the church. I had this running with this person here, and I, I, just, I just can't take it. I just can't, I can't take it. And I don't want it to come across poor me, but that happens almost every day in the pastorate, friend. It just happens all the time. Good night, if I ran every time someone sent me a bad note or someone said how terrible I was or someone sent me an email or something or somebody criticized or something, you'd be gone all the time. Come on, man up. Uh, just, let's just be what we're supposed to be. You know, when people, okay, that's the straw. I'm leaving the church. No, that's not the straw. I find that people wait till something they can blame on and say, okay, I can't take it anymore. But it happened long before that. It's sort of like, I'm out of this marriage. I'm out. No, no, stay in it. I'm not happy. Welcome to life. That happens. Ask my wife. She can't be happy all the time. And I try to be a very wonderful husband. But I must be a very difficult person to live on with. There's demands, and, and I've had to, I, I care for her, I love her, but she, she's had to make those adjustments because of either my schedule or what's happening in my life, and I've tried to be very good to her. But she can't run, I can't run. We've had to deal with those two years. And you know, the longer you're married, and if you deal with those things, the sweeter the journey becomes. You have to deal with things. I know for a fact my wife has had to deal with where God put me. When we came here, this was all around us. There was no Montague Express. It was all farms. She liked it so much because she grew up on 168 acres. 
outside of a city of 130,000 people. She, she grew up about 30 miles away from that in a little city called Stillman Valley. Oh, maybe 2,000 people. And now we're wedged in this Silicon Valley. But the truth is, I don't know, we've talked, where would, where would she ever want to go? This is where God put us. You know, it must be hard for Brother Rick Martin in Elo Elo. That's a, a city of poverty. When you see dogs on the street, and I'm not trying to be rude, you generally see their ribs. The people in that city have struggled just to eat every day. There's some places you go to Manila, and you can see people that are sometimes overweight. It's a little bit more successful, though you'll see the squatters right between the railroad tracks as they rest there and sleep there. But, but you have to learn that God has you where he wants you. So many people want to leave their job or leave their marriage or leave their church or leave the area or leave there. The grass, finish it for me, is not on the other side. Not always move for a church. I think that's Bible. Abraham moved because God moved him for a spiritual reason. But every time you see someone moving for a fleshly reason, it doesn't work out. God's trying to show us how we can get along with one another. The key word, and I want you to write it down in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, is uh, the word holy. You'll find the word 87 times. I want you, to, I've taken a yellow marker and marked it in this Bible. The word holiness and hallowed, or hallowed be thy name, for example, and holy, you're going to find it 102 times. It all deals with being holy, being pure. If you'll write this word down, you're going to find, it's not very many times, but you're going to find the word pure or purified nine times. You're going to find the word, if you'd write it down, please, uh, something of this nature, 193 times clean or cleansed or cleansed, if you're writing it down somewhere. God says over 100 times, I want you to be holy. Almost 200 times, I want you to be clean. And he's going to show us how to be clean with our clothing, how to be clean with our garments, how to be clean with food. I thought about if I could say this, and I can, I can, I know I can. America used to be a very clean country. You would have never thought of in San Francisco, California, where they would be using the sidewalks as public restrooms. You would have never thought of people just leaving garbage around and filth and debris and food just leaving it around. But I could take you to almost, and I know I've got every country in the world watching right now, I could take you to almost any country without Christ, it's dirty. They might have a lot of religion there, but it's dirty. You show me where Christianity has, and Christianity can change a society. Tonight, we're gonna see some of this as we look at at the book of Leviticus. Leviticus, one more word, I'll give you more, but uh, uh, many more words. 
But Leviticus, I won't give you the number of times because you won't see it, but it's a book on fellowship. I've had the best day. I've had fellowship with elementary kids. I had fellowship with high school kids. I had fellowship with God in his word and in prayer. I've had fellowship in the ministry. I, I want to have fellowship. I, I look forward and my wife and I will fellowship. We'll talk tonight. We'll talk about what she did today, what I did today. We haven't had much time to talk yet. Families ought to, ought to all leave in the morning. We go to school. We go to work and we go to our place of employment. And at the end of the day, we all come back and we bring our conversations in life and we talk together. And what are we doing? We're fellowshipping, a partnership with one another. But, but we live in secret communes in our homes now because we all pull the phones out. And this person has no idea who his wife is talking to and she has no idea who he's talking to and the kids are talking and we're all having our personal conversations on Facebook and we're watching everything and we're watching everybody else and, and we live independent lives and we have lost fellowship in the home. Mothers and dads, God gave us two ears. Let your kids talk to you. Allow them to talk. Tell you what's going on in school. And, that's a, and, and don't, I want to be careful kids here today, but don't always come, no, 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 don't, I don't want to hear that. You want to hear your kids. And so tonight, it's a, a book of fellowship. You're going to look, and if you write it down, in chapters one through seven, I'll get back to some of these. You're going to find offerings, a meat offering or a meal offering, a sin offering, a trespass. You're going to find offerings, chapter one through seven. Chapter number eight, nine, and 10 is what we call meditation. Chapter, this thought, by the way, is from Sidlow Baxter, it's not from me. Purification, we're going to get in this section tonight is chapter 11 through 16, 11 through 16, the purification chapters, how to be pure. In chapter 17, you're gonna find reconciliation. <coughs> chapters number 18 through 27, you're gonna find a fourfold area. You're gonna find the people chapter 18 and 19 and 20. I'm glad you're writing these down. That's good. You're going to find the priest, chapter 21 and 22. You're going to find the feast. And you're going to find concerning Canaan, chapter 25 through 27. I want to um, start in chapter 8 tonight because I want to get to chapter 14. I just want to say a word of chapter 8. Chapter 8, God introduces to us the priest. And the priest was one who became, please don't miss this, what is a priest? One who represents man to God. Brother Alan Martinez, are you saved? How many years about, do you remember, how long have you been saved? 1995. Now, Brother Martinez, the Old Testament, you needed a priest. 
and you, if it was old, you'd come to me and I'd go to God on your behalf. First, according to the book of Leviticus, I'd go before God and confess my sins and have my sins cleansed by a blood sacrifice. And then I would go to God on your behalf of whatever sins that he has told me. And I'll go to God on his behalf. Do you need me to do that for you in this New Testament day? He's already shaking his head. Uh, you should at least ponder, well, maybe I do. Uh, why? Because God says we have become kings and priests. We have the authority as a king and as a priest to come direct access to God. What's a verse that tells me I have? I have the ability to have boldness to, what, what's a verse? Where is it at? What book? You're right, Hebrews. I thought you were gonna say that. That I have boldness to come to the throne of grace that we might find mercy and find help in the time of need. Do I need to go through Mary? No. Do I need to go to get to God through a confessional booth? Do I need to go through baptism and the offering plate or through the pastor? No, I have, you have direct access to God. He says, come boldly. Come on. The priests here were the ones that God begins to deal with. And he says, he spake unto Aaron, Moses. And he said, now Aaron, Moses, take Aaron, that's your brother, and his sons, and you're gonna anoint them with oil. And he talks about they're cleansing, verse six. And Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. There was cleansing. And then he talks about the, the purification of their clothing. And it talks about the, verse 12, he poured the anointed oil on Aaron's head and anointed him and sanctified him. That's just another word that deals again with this idea of holiness. It's a book of holiness and God wants us to be holy. Before we can go into the promised land, there must be preparation of holiness. That's what I really believe a Bible college is for, is before young people get out in the ministry to teach them how to become holy and right and get things that we've been buried or whatever, get it right with God so we can go out and serve a people and represent a people before God in prayer and meditate and, and intercede on their behalf. Here he's talking about their consecration and then there's a consecration of their offerings in verse number 14 through the remainder of the chapter. And the consecration in verse 25 where they're gonna have blood applied for the, you know, the, their sin and they're gonna be separated, verses 33 through 36 to God. Verse 33, you should not go out of the door of the tabernacle of the congregation in seven days until the days of your consecration be and for the seven days he shall, be, he shall consecrate you. I would ask you more than ever to pray that your pastor would be consecrated, set apart, godly, holy. That you would pray that, that our pastor would know what it is to be clean and holy and right and righteous and before God. Because in this day in which we live, we need men to enter the pulpit that are right before God. 
singers to enter a pulpit right before God. And here it's very clear, he makes it all how important it is to be consecrated. Sunday school teachers. I hear so many comments about the Sunday school classes, by the way, great comments. I hear what you're doing and how you work with your class or sometimes I talk to you how you're praying over your class or what you talk to your class. Go to teachers meeting. A lot of you will will talk ahead of time or after whatever. Here's what's going on in my class. Here's what God did in our class. I have had so many teachers. Two weeks ago, a teacher came in and man said to me, he goes, you know, I've been teaching for years, but we had talked about my lesson that I was going to teach on Sunday. They said, Pastor, God, God just got in that lesson. I could sense it. I could see it. And I think my students could see it and, and recognize it. That was a high school class. I had an elementary teacher recently, a young man, a, a man say a very similar thing that God, God, well, why? Because we're having Sunday school teachers that it's just not Saturday night. Oh, it's 10 o'clock. I got to look at whatever my lesson is. No, it's got to be birthed in there. And we've got to pray over it and let God speak to your heart, my heart, before we ever teach it to others. Consecration. Deacons must be consecrated. The pastor must be consecrated. I'm going to get to the chapter. I want to get go to chapter number. How about let's go to chapter 11. You notice in 11, if you have a Schofield reference Bible, a holy God and a holy people. And in chapter 11, he's going to, Talk to us about clean food. What is clean food and what is unclean food? In chapter 12 through almost all of 13, you're going to have clean bodies. God's going to tell us how to clean our bodies. I I, I want to be very chaste. In these texts where God says that a man, even his wife, there's a certain time regularly that he has to stay away when uh, there is purification going on in her body. God says, here's how that is done. When you give birth to a baby, God makes it very clear. You know, my father... I, I can remember my dad saying, now, boy, son, you, you bathe yourself. You, you shower yourself. And I, I hope I, I'll not be as direct as he was, but he said, son, all these areas between your fingers are crevices. You need to wash those crevices. And, son, this, this is an area that you need to wash and wash between your toes and Wash thoroughly, son. Always use soap and clean your ears and clean behind your ears. I remember a father, and my dad wasn't a lot on doing stuff like that, but for some reason he brought it up. I, I just, it just stuck with me. And I'll never forget him teaching. God's word teaches us how to clean our bodies. No other religion does. In chapter 13, toward the end, he's going to tell you how to clean your clothes. Children deserve clean clothes. Have you seen, I see it, I see it every week. I was 
getting a, a, a coffee here last week somewhere, and, and I saw a guy come in with his slippers and his pajamas. And the pajamas were long, and at the bottom of it, it was all black. And he had a pajama shirt on, and you could tell he had crawled out of bed. And I thought to myself, and you're thinking right now, I wonder what his bed looks like. I really did. I thought, what is it? It has to stink in there. How do you take that dirt of those feet and where people have spit and, and uh, all, you know how it goes, and you carry that to your bedroom? God wants us to keep our clothes clean. God tells us how to clean our houses in chapter 14. God tells us here how to, chapter 15, clean context with people. In chapter 16, how to be a clean nation. Now, I want to get you to where I'm going, and I realize our time's about up, but I want us to go to chapter number 14, and really, 14 and 13 and 14 go together. But I'd like you to look at chapter 13 and 14 together with me tonight. We'll start in 14, shall we there? I remember, Brother Manley, I thought of you many times this week about, you might remember, I preached a message from this chapter on leprosy years ago. Chapter 14 is when leprosy invaded a life. And it not only invaded a life, it invaded the house. Someone, and don't look it up online right now, but you know that when a person was a sodomite, up and just, uh, during my ministry here, you are not permitted to come into this country. And when someone had any kind of disease, you were not permitted to come into this country. Because we resisted bringing disease into this country. Well, leprosy is a disease, and leprosy is still around today, even in the United States. Not much, but a little bit. I've told you in the past, I remember the first time I went to the leper colony in another country, and I just, just thinking of it now, just it breaks my heart. And you see digits that are missing and limbs that are missing, that awful disease. Leprosy had to be dealt with. God's going to tell you how to deal with leprosy. And in chapter number 14, I want you to notice in verse 13, uh, 32, 32, this is the law of him who is the plague of leprosy, whose hand is not able to get that which appertaineth to his cleansing. And he's going to use that word cleanse or cleansing often. It's an amazing thing, and I want to get to this text. In chapter 13 and in chapter 14, he uses the word the priest, the priest, the priest. He was the Levi of the Leviticus, Levi, Leviticus. And the priest, in those two chapters, you, you, maybe we'll go, I've underlined them all. There's 196 times in two chapters he says the priest, the priest. That speaks to me. Because when you have a problem 
of leprosy that's invaded your life or your home. Drink, drugs, immorality. When there's something that's invaded your home, call the priest. The priest is gonna be very active in this, and I'm not the priest, I'm the pastor, I know, but it's an Old Testament word for the man that represented man to God. And that's my job, I'm to pray for you. God, God commands me to pray for you. God commands me, my job, Acts 6, 4, is to read the word of God and pray. You know, my father-in-law, God bless his heart, he may be watching now, he pastored the same church 57 years. He was not a real good, and he he wasn't Mr. PR. But I tell you what he did for his people more than any pastor had ever seen. He would get up at four o'clock in the morning other than breakfast and Bible with his children from four to noon. For 57 years, he read the word of God and prayed for his people. And you saw it when he preached. He knew God. The priest, the pastor needs to be part of your life. So what, what do you, what, you want to know everything? Someone said to me just recently, they, they, they say all the time, boy, I'm so sorry. I remember when you had to kick, us, kick, kick me out of school. I said, you got to be kidding. You got kicked out of school? I don't remember that kind of stuff. I, I, Debbie Fredericks was our youth pastor's wife, just, just a tremendous, tremendous girl. She and her husband serve in North Carolina, Freedom Baptist Church, and Debbie said it publicly here in recent days as well, last couple, and she goes, I remember a pastor kicked me out of school. And I, I said, Debbie, you've got to be kidding. You're perfect. She goes, oh, no, I got kicked out of school for a semester, whatever. I said, you've got, I just, I can't remember that stuff. It might be that just to know, Pastor, pray with me about this. I, I want to pray. I, I want to be before the throne of grace on your behalf. A- another word that you're going to find in chapter number 14 is your house, 29 times. Your house is important to God and your house is important to me. I want you to see this leprosy. This is the law. And you have to deal with it. When when there's something wrong, you have to deal with it. When there's something invaded your house 29 times, we have to deal with it. And the Bible says this. And the Lord, verse 33, spake unto Moses saying, and to Aaron saying, when you come into the land of Canaan, which I give you for possession, I put a plague of leprosy in the house of the land of your possession. And he that owneth the house shall come and tell the priest, saying, it seems, seemeth to me there is a plague in the house. Then the priest shall command that they empty the house before the priest. Stop right there. The priest may say, you know, maybe what we ought to do is just sanctify your home. And if we're going to deal with the leprosy, we're going to have to begin by sanctifying the home. Set the home apart and say, this home is for God. 
That's why I like it when you receive a, get a new car. I like, I like to just have a brief word of prayer, a house, have a brief word of prayer and say, Lord, we consecrate this house to you. Lord, we consecrate this car to you. May it be used for your glory. On our radio, may we listen to things that are right and keep us safe as we travel. And here he says, I want you to sanctify the house. Leprosy invades your children's life. Sanctify the home. But, but notice he has to come back. The priest comes back and he looks and sees if it becomes greenish or reddish. And so he says, step two, then the priest shall go out of the house to the door of the house. And secondly, shut the house for seven days. You know, we begin by sanctifying our house. I think every mother and dad ought to sanctify their children every day. Say, Lord, they're off to school now. And I want to just sanctify them, set them apart. God, I'm praying for my children to be sanctified. Remember what Job was doing for his grown kids? He was sanctifying them. But then they found out that that did not deal, just sanctification did not deal with the the leprosy. And so he said, now we're going to have to shut the house for seven days. You know, sometimes we just have to shut things down. We live in a busy day going here and going there. Sometimes we just ought to shut it all down. I am not against you going to Disneyland. I hope you'll go. Hope many of you go this year. But every time there's a three-day weekend, you're not helping your family. Or every two or three or four times a year, you're, you're agitating the family. And we get a three-day weekend and we gotta run to Disneyland and then, and then, and I know it's gonna happen, so I know that, please. But then we're gonna run back home, but we find I-5 and 101 is, I hear it every time, it was a parking lot. A five and a half hour trip took us nine and a half hours. And then we get home late Sunday night or late Monday night, we try to go to school. Sometimes you ought to just say, thank God for the three day weekend, we're gonna shut the house down. We're just doing family for the next seven days. I'm not saying not church, I'm just saying, shut the thing down. We start by, if you have leprosy, sanctify it. Secondly, shut it down, but oh, wait a minute, it's still there. It's still there. The priest, verse 39, shall come again on the seventh day and look. Behold, the plague be spread in the walls of the house. Boy, this is deep now. Number three, we're going to have to scrape the house. The priest shall command that they take away the stones, which the plague is, and they shall cast them out in the unclean place of the city, and, and he shall cause the house to be scraped within and round about, and they shall pour out the dust that they scrape off without the city in the unclean place. Has to be dealt with. You just can't leave in the city. You have to deal outside the city. Put it where it belongs. You know, that uh, scraping the house to me is a deep cleaning. It's more than a spring cleaning. Scraping the house says, okay, that cell phone is destroying our lives. That social media is destroying our lives. That television is destroying our life. That music 
and, and it, you have to scrape away at it. Sometimes scraping is painful. But we've already sanctified the house and we can't get rid of the leprosy. And we've already shut the house, we can't get rid of the leprosy. And so now it's deeper yet. We've got to get down to the root of the problem. Because if we don't get rid of the leprosy, it's going to cause us to suffer and be losing motion, movement, body parts. And so we have to scrape it. What's the Bible say? Verse 43, if the plague come again and break into the house after he hath taken away the stones and after he hath scraped the house, and after it had been plastered, they put it all back. Then the priest shall come and look and behold the plague be spread in the house. It is a fretting leprosy in the house. It is unclean. And they shall break down the house. We sanctify the house. We shut the house. We scrape the house. And I know this is not a very intelligent word. We're going to have to smash the house. You're going to have to tear it down. Start all over again. That's what this altar is for. I'm, I'm, I'm at the end of myself, Lord. I've, I'm such a mess. I'm going to put an end to all this nonsense. And maybe you're at the point that you have to smash it. I, I do know there have to be teenagers here that do not. We have the best teenagers in America. They're so, they're so amazing. But we'd have to have teenagers, there'd have to be one or two or more that just can't tell the truth. I've pastored too many people too long. I've seen it my whole life. Just can't tell the truth. They just can't tell the truth. That we have little children, undoubtedly in the elementary school, though they're so sweet and so kind and they're doing so great. There has to be a one or two or more in there. They just, they just lie about everything. The first line of defense is to lie. Isn't it amazing when you get close to Jesus, he is the way, the truth. He's truth. Our, our faith is founded on the truth of Jesus Christ. But, but if we don't tell the truth, we lie. And we deceive ourselves. And it might be that we just need to come to the end. I've had to do this many times. The first time I really remember, of course, I remember as a boy after I got saved, I'd lose my temper so often during the day. And I'd lay in my bed and I'd say, now, Lord, if I did not mean it, I do mean it today. I I was so overwhelmed with guilt. But I remember in 10th grade, going into the 11th grade at camp, where God just smashed what he had to deal with in my life. I don't really, I can't tell you what it was. It's just, I was so bothered that at church, everybody thought I was this good Christian boy, and I was. But at public school, they knew I went to Sunday school. They knew I went to church, but others did too in public school. But I wasn't a good witness. and I I didn't know how to witness. I didn't know how to win a soul to Christ. And if I did, I don't think I was so shy and so backward. 
that I don't, and I'd, I'd, I'd say I'm, I'm living just a double life at church on this, and I mean it, and I'm so sincere, and I don't want Sunday to quit. I don't want Sunday to end. Sunday night, we'd sing that last congregation song before pastor would preach, and I said, it's almost time to get home, and I got to go to school, and then I'd be tormented because thinking, I know I'm not going to be, I wasn't drinking and smoking, and we had all that going on even in school. And every break, people would smoke in the restrooms and girls and guys, and there was fights and all that stuff. And I wasn't going to be involved with that. But I wanted to be involved with the drinking and the smoking. But I did not want to be. You ever, you ever fight those things back and forth? I knew it would break my parents' heart. I knew it hurt my pastor. I don't know if I really thought about God, but I thought about these people I'd hurt. Then I'd go to church. I think, I would never want to do that stuff. And then I would lay in bed and think, I'm just a hypocrite. I'm a phony. I'm a fake. And I can remember, we're out of time. I'm way over time. Two minutes already. I, I can remember at camp, we were up in Idaho. And I was in the second floor of a cabin. I walked down through the living room and walked down a gravel road and walked over the bridge and Walked down another gravel road. My uncle's cabin way, way over. He had a brand new 1966 Ford out front. They had gone to bed. My aunt would have to be up early to cook, about 150 of us. And, and I'll never forget, I knocked on his door. And I said, Uncle Bill, I've got to talk to you. And he said, well, Jack, it's late. I said, I know, but I'm so troubled. I got to talk to you. And we went, he sat behind the driver steering wheel, and I sat on this side in that brand new car. Because what, what's troubling you? And I couldn't tell him. I just, I knew I'd disappoint him. All I kept doing, I just kept weeping. It's an old go, Bill. I just want to be so right with God. Well, what's going on, Jack? I couldn't tell him. I felt like a fake and a phony. I knew I'd hurt him. And I just battled that thing. And he never found out that night. He's with the Lord. He built us that building over there at Clyde Avenue. But that night, I remember when I went back, I said, Lord, I never told him, but you give me a peace. I've got it cleansed. i got it right. There's had to be other events like that, but God, that was a pivotal moment. Sophomore year, summer. It was an amazing thing. It was a sophomore year in Bible college in an early morning in the book of Jeremiah that God did the same thing. Leviticus gets you prepared for the promised land. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.